Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Leadership Enigma. Well, this podcast just gets better and better, but then I'm biased, aren't I, by saying that? A lot of people ask the question, are leaders born or are they made? Well, I'm pretty much of the view that they're made. We are all work in progress. Certainly, we can be born with capabilities and attributes that might stand us in good stead, but let's be honest. Wherever you are on this journey, you are still work in progress. You do not want to miss this episode. This is about being the leader you want to be. And we're going to talk to an amazing guy whose father was a pilot in Vietnam. So he, in turn, joined the US military and served in the Gulf War. He was a member of the Secret Service, part of a number of presidential protection teams. He's now the head of investigations EMEA at BP. And these are just a few of the highlights. Do not miss this episode. Come back to me where we'll talk to the wonderful Brad Berwick. During constant change, your leadership has never been more important to create a better and more inclusive world. You're listening to The Leadership Enigma a podcast for the insatiably curious to explore the power of human-centered leadership to create real momentum for positive and sustainable change. Whether you're an entrepreneur, business owner, or corporate executive, each week we speak to global experts, academics, rising stars, ambitious upstarts, and disruptors as we discover that success leaves clues. Now, here's your host, Adam Pacifico. Well, there we have it, Brad. It's a huge and warm welcome to the Leadership Enigma. How are you, sir? I'm doing great, Adam. Thank you so much. This is a a big thrill for me to be on your podcast. Well, that's very, very kind of you to say, but uh, (laughs) you can give me some feedback (laughs) at the end of this episode. Um, I know we've both been looking forward to having this conversation, and and you have a, a background that is just rich and varied. I love that because it means you've got a story to tell. I mean, the military, the Secret Service, head of corporate investigations, there is just so much for us to talk to. And I know that there was a title that fell out of this when we chatted, you know, a week or so ago about being the leader you want to be. So let me hand over to you. Start to tell us a little bit about your journey, because I think so much is going to fall out of this episode in relation to leadership nuggets, leaders born or made. Start us off. Start us off, Brad. Absolutely, Adam. Thank you so much. Yeah, and I, I uh, completely agree um, with with the premise that that we're we're made ultimately, um, and especially in my case, I don't think I was born a leader at all, um, which will be evident through the story. I hope because um, to to go back to the beginning, I was born into a, uh, a middle class family in the United States in Texas. Yep. Um, my dad was a military pilot, so he flew um, uh, actually P-3 Orions during the uh, Vietnam War wow. um, and was actually flying when I was born. Uh, I'm, uh, he's he's off, often proud to tell that story because I followed in his tracks in the military. Wow. Um, kind of a stereotypical family, Adam. My, my mom stayed home. Uh, my dad, after he got out of the military, uh, flew with the airlines for his career. Um, I have an older brother and a younger sister. So, so yeah, the middle child, which comes with its own, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. its own <laughs> challenges, right? Its own challenges we'll say. Um, and, and yeah, so I, I grew up in, I think a very traditional household church on Sunday. Um, just kind of the, the, I guess the stereotypical, uh, Texas family for, for that time in the seventies and eighties. Now to be 
fair, you were born into a military family, weren't you? I think you said, was your father flying commercial or was he flying military at the time you were born? He was actually flying military. So he was, he was flying over Vietnam when I was born. Wow. Um, And he's always proud to tell me he got the teletype. He he still has it of hey, congratulations. You've got, you've got a baby boy. And, and uh, you know, he was, he was exhausted and saying, well, I hope I hope I get to go home and see him. (laughs) So in some ways, was there some pressure on you or of any of your siblings at the start? Because, you know, that's incredible as well, isn't it? You know, your, your father was a, was a pilot, um, and then went on to be a commercial airline pilot, as you say. So you, you say it was a kind of a regular family, but was, was there an expectation, do you think, there? Mm. Yeah, yes, but not exerted from my, from my father. Um, right. There was an expectation that came with, you know, being in that family and, and looking up to my dad, you know, and, and looking at him as, you know, a hero yeah. um, and, and the amazing life he has led and the things he has done. Uh, it, it put pressure. I put pressure on myself to to be like him, Adam. Um, and I have seen that throughout my life um, in certain things I have done to you know to to honestly try to please him, to try to be like him, to try to be like the man he is. Absolutely. Now we'll come on to the fact that I know you love soccer, football. See, yeah. this is an international <laughs> podcast. But you told me that actually you were a, you describe yourself as a C grade student who was actually asked to leave college. So, you know, you had some challenges early on, as you say, in a in a high functioning yeah. family environment. Yeah, you know, I think so, you know, going through school, I think nowadays, who knows what I would have been diagnosed with. Um, I I couldn't sit still. I couldn't concentrate. You and me alike. (laughs) School was just never for me. If it interests me, I will, I will absolutely focus on it. Um, and, and just with, with passion. Um, but if things don't interest me, i.e. math, um, yeah. we'll just, we'll just throw that one out there. Um, it's really, it was always hard for me to sit in a structured environment, sit still and, and learn like that. So, um, you know, credit to me, I should have failed out of school numerous times, but I was able to, to squeak by with C's and, and honestly, uh, you know, my brother was really good at school. Um, very, very smart, very intelligent. If he's listening to this, don't let it go to your head. Um, <laughs> my sister, the same way, very, a lot came naturally to them in school, which didn't happen for me. Uh, so that also put pressure on me to, you know, maybe I'm not as smart. Maybe I'm not meant for this. Um, and, and that was more self-created pressure on me than it was anything to do with the family. That's that middle child syndrome, isn't it there, Brad? Correct. That we, that we hear about. About. so if your siblings are listening to this they can either take claim or, or responsibility i don't know which one for uh, yes. some of these challenges and, yes. and that was the catalyst wasn't it for you to join the military so tell me a little bit mm. of what was going through your thinking in relation to college perhaps not being what you thought or expected it to be and then deciding to follow in the footsteps of your dad and that itself Absolutely. is a is a tough challenge right Absolutely. And it was interesting, you know, these, these points in your life, and I can, I can think of a few of them that were really significant pivot points um, in my life. And going to college, you know, looking back as I've reflected and and talked to my 
parents about this. I, I really went to college for the wrong reasons. Um, you know, I really wanted to make them happy. Uh, my dad has a college degree, you know, not a lot of people in my family have college degrees. So I wanted to please my mom and dad. Um, I was not ready for college. I never should have gone to college. I didn't have the grades for it. Um, but I had the opportunity to play some soccer, um, and, and try my hand at that. And, 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 and I failed and, you know, Long story short, Adam, I, I was asked politely to leave college, um, <laughs> <laughs> and 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 that came the the pivot point for me because my dad set me down and actually, you know, showed a a um, I guess a leadership quality that always stuck with me. He had to make a really tough decision in telling me that, um, you know, I really needed to, um, to do something with my life. Um, and where I was going was, was, was not the right direction. Um, and you know, you can't live in the house anymore. You know, you're not going to get a free ride. You need to grow up. And, um, it was, I think a life-saving decision he helped me to make. Was this tough love, Brad, going on? Where very much. Okay. Very much. And and much. what how did that you know, how did you react to that? Because I want to start to draw out some of the lessons that mm. that you've taken in relation to the leader that you have become because you've had some phenomenal jobs and I know in the role that you have <laughs> at the moment, you, you're in you're a leader in your own right. So what was going on at those early stages? Really, what was resonating with you? Or what were you thinking? I'm taking away some life lessons here as I start to grow into the leader that I want to be or should be in time. Yeah. Yeah. When, th when that happened and looking back, it was almost a relief because I think I probably should have, you know, in hindsight, joined the military right out of high school. Right. Um, and I think that conversation with my dad almost gave me that permission, you know, to to do that, what I was meant to do. Um, and, um, I, I literally went out if it wasn't that day, I think it was the next day I joined, uh, I, I signed a six year contract with, uh, with the U S army. Um, and, and Adam, I, I think what the big thing for me was because I come from a long line of military, uh, you know, my dad's dad was, was military, right. you know, both sides of our family, my grandfather on my mom's side, um, was a tank commander in world war two and, and spent some time with Patton, um, and, and saw incredible things. So I just have this military legacy. Um, and I think going into the military made me part of that fraternity because I do remember the the difference in how my grandparents spoke to me and how my dad spoke to me and how they treated me. Um, and, and like I say, that, that was that big turning point for me um, to, to feeling like I was on the right track. And Adam, I think more importantly, to really being curious if I could do it, because I'll be perfectly honest with you, after the life that I had led up to this point, I honestly thought I was going to fail. Wow. Um, I did not think I was strong enough, smart enough, good enough to do it, um, which whether that's healthy or unhealthy, it, it drove a lot of what I became later in life and thinking I was, uh, you know, I was not qualified or able to do it. Wow. So many things come out of this, Brad. And I really was looking forward to us having this, this rich mm. conversation in some way, I mean, you were born into a, a very deep military history family. In some ways, maybe you never stood a chance as regards part of the direction of travel. Also sounds like your dad in some ways gave you permission to mm. be who you wanted mm. or indeed needed to be. And the military really served a purpose for you, didn't it? Beyond, I suppose, just the discipline. I know you were there for what, 91 to 97. Uh, you served right. in the Gulf War. 
So help us understand that that six years in the military, a completely mm. different way of life. What, what was really going on in you then as you started to discover more and more about yourself, bearing in mind that you were coming from this rich military background? So I was enlisted. Um, my dad was a naval officer, as was his dad. Um, now my my granddad on my mom's side was was uh, enlisted as well, but yep. but uh, he got promoted up very rapidly. So you know, for me, enlisting in the military you know, already kind of started me out feeling, you know, maybe I'm not living up to their, their expectations, but to be honest, you know, the, the years I spent in the military were so life-changing. Um, you know, it's, it's hard to even put it into words because I went in there, you know, a skinny kid, C student from Conroe with a bit of an anger issue. Um, and what I learned really quick, Adam, was that, for whatever reason, and I could not understand it, I fit in very well in the military structure, and I didn't see the leader in myself that others apparently saw because early on, and I've shared this throughout my life with people, that for whatever reason, people saw me as a leader. And I remember being scared with everybody else, but they're looking at me for, you know, what do we do? What do we do, Brad? See, that's fascinating, (laughs) Brad, isn't it? It shocked me. It shocked me. That we have to just dwell on that because so people were seeing something in you that you weren't seeing in yourself. So tell us a little bit more about that because I can imagine, as you say, there's a disconnect, isn't there? Because you're seeing yourself as a C grade student, nothing wrong with that, by the way, C grade student, maybe, uh, and and not thriving, and other people are seeing something Mm. else in you. Mm. Tell us a little bit more about that. It happened in basic training. Uh, it happened very, I mean, within the first maybe week or two, yep. um, and my squad leader got fired, um, which apparently, you know, at, towards the end of basic training, I learned that it's very rare to have one squad leader going through right. um, because they'll fire you for anything. Um, but after my squad leader got fired, um, they asked our platoon to pick another one uh, for each squad and, and unanimously my my group chose me and you know, it was, it was just like, no, no, please let me sit at the back. I just want to try to get through this and do as many pushups as I can. Yeah. Um, but they put me in that place and, and wanted me to, to lead them through basic training. And I remember the drill sergeants telling me you'll, you'll make it a couple of days, you know, um, anybody who makes it a week or two has done really good. And, you know, I remember laying in my bunk. This is another one of those moments um, where I was like, you know what? I want to make it through the whole thing. Yeah. Can, can I do that? I don't think you're good enough. I don't think you're strong enough, Brad, to do the whole basic training as a squad leader. It's a small piece of my life, but it was so significant because I did it. I, I, I did it. I made it through um, the whole time as a squad leader. And I, I remember those conversations with my drill sergeant afterwards, you know, about, you know, Hey, well done. This this is this is not common to be able to do that, but you you've done good. Is, is there an element here? A lot of people talk about imposter syndrome, where you know leaders get into roles, and and we're all fallible, we're all human, and you suddenly feel, hang on, I'm not sure I can do this. So, how did you actually overcome the internal dialogue that was saying you can't do this? Maybe you're not good enough, and yet you then pushed through as well and thought, no, actually, I I want to see if I can do this, and then you made it all the way to the end. How do you balance yeah. that? It was a, you know, and, and gosh, for those listening with, with uh, psychology degrees are probably going to, you know, uh, have some words for They'll me, be diagnosing I, you now. <laughs> I just challenged myself, Adam, when I went in and I said, I don't think I'm going to make it, but if I do, 
if I can make it through just one step at a time, basically day by day, if I, and, and then if I can make it through basic training, I wasn't looking that far ahead. You know what? Maybe there's something to me. So every morning I would wake up and just challenge myself. It was an hour by hour, day by day, you know, week by week thing that I challenged myself internally. And I would fight with myself, Brad, you're not going to do it. And the other voice was you come from a long military leadership family. You have a you know, great role model in your dad on what a work ethic is. You know, your values are right. And just push forward like that and lead like that. I loved it, Adam. I didn't know what I was doing, but I, I knew I loved it. I loved people looking to me. I loved making decisions. And it kind of became a self-fulfilling prophecy or, yep. or I started believing it. <laughs> I mean, this sounds and like this was a turning point in your life, Brad. Huge turning point, Adam. Huge. Because not only did I realize, hey, I'm, I'm good at this, but I like it. Like, I'm really enjoying, you know, these early cutting my teeth stages of being a leader, but also being a leader in a, in the military, you know, that, that was a huge thing for my confidence. And it's worth also mentioning to the listeners that you actually served in the Gulf War as well within uh, that time period, didn't you? In that time period, I, I was deployed to go to the Gulf, but the war ended, um, quickly. So my deployment was canceled. So I never went to, you know, the, the Middle East to fight. Um, I actually ended up getting stationed in the fourth infantry in Colorado right? and then spent time in Panama and Honduras and ended up at Fort Drum, New York in the 10th mountain. So, um, you know, that was kind of the duration of my military career, but yes, I served during the, during the Gulf war. And this was a catalyst for you, wasn't it? Because I, am I right in thinking that after the military, you went back to college and you weren't a C student anymore, were you? No, no, that was the great thing. Um, what, what I did learn in the military, um, was that anything I set my mind to, you know, um, I can do, and I was doing it good. Um, and then I'm not, you know, the C, my grades didn't define me, um, was I think a big thing for yeah. me because grades were so important in, in the time frame we grew up at I'm I not know. sure how it was here, but in the States, you Still know, is. It, it grades. yeah, I agree, but I, you know, I stopped being Brad, the C student, and I started being Brad, the, the confident, you know, I survived the military, you know, I had a belief in myself. So yeah, Adam, I got out of the military and, and met my wife soon after I got out and, um, she already had a child who was yep. four years old at the time we ended up getting married. So shortly after getting out of the military, I was, you know, a dad and a husband and a full-time college student working two jobs just to try to, well, that will focus you know. the mind. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I made straight A's. I, I was a Dean's list student. Um, I love, I studied criminal justice at Sam Houston state university in, in Huntsville, Texas. Um, and I loved it. I loved the, the, studies i love the professors I, and i just was passionate about it and uh and yeah so so it was no longer brad the c student now now brad this resonates with me because I, I wrote a book last year with some co-authors called the leader's mm. secret code and there was a simple premise that as you believe so you behave and as you behave so you perform so it sounds mm. as if your belief system had changed after your period in the military is, is that a fair comment or summary or what you you guide me Completely, completely. Yeah, I had to go through that experience of the hardships um, and testing myself. I mean, pushing myself beyond 
any limits I thought I would ever be able to endure. Um, and, and to make it through that the way I did, I couldn't help but believe in myself after that. So, so I remember that cause I was going to be career military, Adam. And I remember at the end of my first enlistment, right. I, you know, wait a minute. I, I, I want to do, I want to do more. I love the military. It changed my life, but I want to go to college. I want to, you know, I was already seeking that. I, I want to be in some form of federal law enforcement. I, I didn't know exactly what, but I think I can do, I think I can do more. And, and, um, I, I think I'm capable of that. I got something else to give to, you know, to my life and to the world. Well, you, you didn't take the easy option, did you? Because then the next <laughs> trajectory, uh, and this, this really does, I love this as a, as a, there's a cop in me, as you know, um, yeah, yeah. is that you became a secret service agent. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. help us understand that career move. Well, I never saw that coming either. So <laughs> I was after after I graduated uh, college. Um, I was I was working and just trying to prepare myself for for my next for my next phase, which was federal law enforcement. So I was applying to everybody but the Secret Service, Adam. Right. Um, and you know, as you go through life, you know it's interesting the people who weave in and out of your life and and. In looking back with hindsight, it's 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 always the right person at the right time, and and um, you know my wife ended up meeting the wife of a Secret Service agent, and we got to know them, and and he just started probing and asking what I was doing, and yeah. I told him you know I was applying for every federal alphabet agency suit you know per thing uh, agency you could think of, um, and he said, well, have you considered the Secret Service? I was like. No, you know, I, um, I'm not really thinking I want to do that. Not know? an everyday and, question, is it? Have you considered the Secret <laughs> Service? No. So over the next, I say, year or so, we just got to know them. And I, I started learning more about what he did and that it wasn't just standing. It wasn't just a bodyguard. It was federal investigations. Um, it was a very... Um, you know, no, no day was the same with that. One day you're investigating counterfeit. One day you're looking into an organized fraud ring, you know, credit card fraud ring. The next day you're protecting a president. And that intrigued me. Um, I, I think it goes back to why I couldn't sit still in school. I like variety. I, I like change. If every day is the same, I get a little nervous. Yeah. Um, so yeah, after a year we got to know him, he, he sponsored me and he said, it helps to have somebody who knows you. And I, uh, I filled out an application and gave everybody permission to, uh, to go into my background from birth oh, to yeah. present. And, uh, and, and after a year of vetting process, I was, I found myself in training. I mean, as you say, you <laughs> had, well, I mean, I know if you go into law enforcement, uh, it's never a dull, dull moment. And I know you mentioned this briefly, and we can just touch on this again briefly, but obviously you were part and parcel of, of looking after presidents, weren't you? Which yeah. is an right. incredibly high stakes situation. That's probably a, an episode for another day almost. But help me understand from your perspective, what did it feel like now uh, as mm. your own leader to know that you were in charge with one of the most important people in the world. As, and I know you've served with a number of presidential teams, but how does that feel to you? You, you know, I'll give you one specific story that 
that I remember so vividly because, so I, I, I started my Secret Service career in Houston, Texas, which is the home of former President uh, George H.W. Bush um, right. before he passed away, obviously, but uh-huh. but he and his family lived lived in the Houston area. So, so part of my early career was spending time with the, with the former president and, and doing advance work for him. So if they're going somewhere, you know, doing, doing our thing. But I remember I read a book called fly boys. Um, and it is a, it's a military, it's a story about, um, a group of eight captors during, um, the second world war, um, on an Island off of the coast of Japan, Chichijima. Right. Um, one of whom was former president George HW Bush. And, and he's just a small part of that book, but I had been reading that book. Um, and then I'm standing next to this man and I just remember thinking, you know, here is this war hero. Here is this man who has been president and, you know, everything that he's done, I'm standing right beside him with a gun and a badge and I'm, I'm here to protect him and make sure, you know, that, that, that we make his life safe. And it, it just really hit me at that point early in my career, what yeah. I was doing, you know, I'm trusted enough, you know, again, I go back to the insecurities of who I was growing up. Here's this small kid from a small town in, in Texas, C student, I'm standing by, the pro, you know, the former president of the United States with a gun and a badge and, and I'm responsible for, you know, making sure he's okay. Amazing. Um, it, it was a, it, yeah. And, and that happened throughout my career, Adam, with, with, with different experiences, whether it was standing in the white house or whether it was being on trips with, with leaders, um, that, you know, I've, I've done something, I've done something special. Um, and, and I've done it through, uh, through the determination that I've had, um, all starting back from those early days in the military. Did you, did you pick up being around world leaders and you were around a few, not asking for specifics, Brad, but did you pick up some almost leadership advice? Did you, did you almost see uh, behavior or or, or mm. get the essence of how others Absolutely. were holding themselves and having mm. to account for themselves that rubbed off on mm. you because you were rubbing shoulders with multiple no presidents. So no you know what, what were you getting from that? I from from the and I've gotten this whether it was from a president or from just a a great boss or leader yep. that I had was the the calm confidence um you know the great people that i was around always made others feel like they were so special whether they truly meant it or not i never knew but remember it was i always just said the devil's in the details with 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 leadership in general but with these people i just remember you know a, a former president talking about someone's child specifically when we were you know, at a fundraising event or whatever. And it would just always struck me how personal and, and approachable um, those people were, even though they were in that position right. um, and, and how, even when things were maybe tense, the calm. Uh, and, and that's, I think what always struck me and, and, you know, I'm sure you did the same thing, stay calm in the, in the, in the face of situations where others aren't, but it was like that throughout with them, whether it was media issues or, or whatever was going on, just that, 
that sense of calm confidence. And it, it, it seemed to permeate a room, especially with certain individuals who remain nameless, but it's infectious, but isn't it? It's infectious. And, and it really changes the air in the room. Yeah. Um, and, and that's what I noticed about the really, really good leaders. Um, you could feel the presence and, and it's just something you create with, uh, I think how you act. And a lot of leaders talk about executive presence and personal brand. And, mm. and, you know, you're able to give us an insight that most would never be able to give. But as you say, I think one of the most important people there is it doesn't matter if we're talking about a president, we're talking about a good leader, a good human being who's authentic and yes. personable and yeah. humble and vulnerable. It's those things, because I'm fascinated uh, by human-centered leadership. And I think I can, I'm hearing you describe that, Brad. Absolutely. And that vulnerable piece, you know, you, you saw me nodding when you, when you said vulnerable. Um, I think that's what I've learned the most from, from the best, whether it's been politicians or, or leaders in my career. Um, it's, 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 it's that vulnerability. It's allowing people, you know, in to your life, um, which, which is hard for us, especially in the backgrounds that we came from, Adam, you don't, you don't get a lot of that. Um, so, uh, you know, that resonates strongly with me. And it's one thing that I have taken into my career. Um, and what I've always, when I say I'll be the leader, I want to be, yeah. I want to be that person for anybody in my realm of influence. Did you feel that your leadership or the essence of your leadership changed during your time within the Secret Service as you were, yeah. you had a very high profile role, there's enormous amounts of trust, think about what you were trusted to do, who you were yeah. trusted to protect, and the fact that you were with people who, who had to really possibly think about their leadership because they were in plain sight of the whole world. How did your leadership change? Because I know that we're going to go on to what your next step was uh, sure. in your current role, but tell me a little bit about that journey again, the leader you were becoming again. Uh, I, I will tell you what I learned in the Secret Service. Um, and it's actually more, I, I think I learned so much in the Secret Service because, and I, and I think we had talked about this earlier, Adam, was I have learned far more from bad leaders than I ever have from good leaders. Right. And, and, you know, while I did, my, my last boss in the Secret Service is still to this day one of my good friends who's actually a high-ranking person in the service. But around him and before him, I was surrounded by, you know, what I call, you know, the good old boys, the 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 dinosaurs, yeah. you know, the, the beatings will continue until morale improves type. Um, you get and this I in remember, every sector. <laughs> You do. Yeah. And, and that's the other thing, you know, leadership styles, whether you're in the military or whether you're in corporate world, I, I think good leaders still can bring in that same, you know, essence um, because people say, oh, it has to change. You know, you can't be the same kind of leader in the corporate world as you can in secret service. I wholeheartedly disagree with that. Right. Um, wholeheartedly the human disagree being. with that. The human absolutely yeah, and, and, it, and it gets down you know to, to what my core belief is in leadership but but anyway what i learned in the secret service is what i don't want to be as a leader and right. and i took away those 12 years i spent and i remember going over my mind if i'm ever in a position of influence i will remember how those words landed 
to that person and how deflating it was and how demotivating it was. And I just built up this knowledge base of what I didn't want to do. Right. Um, you know, if that makes sense. Um, well, it's powerful, it, isn't it? Sometimes seeing and feeling what you don't want pushes you hopefully in the direction of what you do want or want. want exactly. To and, and that's what it did with me. That's exactly what it did with me, Adam. I, I swore to myself I would never be one of those leaders. Now, Brad, you just talked about your the, almost your core belief in leadership. Mm. So I've got to mm. ask you, well, what is that? <laughs> because we're going to go on to the, the role you have now. But sure. what is? how do you yeah. live as a leader now? So who have you become as a leader in, in the present day? I've become myself. And, and I'll tell you, relationships um, – it's, it's, if you had to sum up what I believe in, in leadership is in one word, you know, for me, that core, everything hinges off relationship. And, and, you know, even I was guilty early in my military career thinking that, you know, relationships meant you were too close to people to make effective decisions or relationships meant you had to, you know, it was a friendship and that's not what I have learned about relationships. And, and what I took away from the secret service was, you know, as a leader relationship is just knowing people, you know, knowing what motivates you, Adam, is going to be different than what motivates, you know, our colleague to your left or right, you know, um, and I think that's where relationship comes in is, is knowing that, you know, I can lead as a group, but I can lead with the individual motivations in mind as well. Um, and that's what I, that's what I took from it. And, and I don't know who told me, and, and I, I think it was my dad. It could have been even my brother, but I always had this belief that relationships were really key. And, and one of them told me, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was my dad who said, son rules without relationship equals rebellion. Right. And it's one of those things. And I should remember who said it more specifically, but it stuck with me it has stuck with me throughout my life um, that you, how can I lead? How can I expect people to want to follow me if there's no relationship there? Um, You know, I wouldn't, I never wanted to follow somebody who didn't care that I was married with a young child at home um, and were expecting me to do things that people in different circumstances were, I wouldn't motivated by that. Um, so that Adam, I guess that's the long way to answer your question that that's what drives everything I do today is that relationship aspect. It's lovely to hear the, the human side is, is your dad still with us as well? He is. Yes. No, he is. Well, that's all I hope. I hope that he gets a, a chance <laughs> to listen to this because it's wonderful as well. So. Maybe for him to hear yeah. and understand yeah. the the legacy that that is the children so i, I just wanted to ask thank you it's it's great so yeah. make sure he listens to this and your siblings too yeah, absolutely. um let's take us to the present day your head okay. of mm. investigations emia for uh, bp you are uh, again uh, a leader with a mm. uh, with a team with mm. uh, you you've got things to do and achieve what are the leader or who are you now with all of that, who are you now? It's been great. Um, you know, gosh, there's so much I could say about this role, but it, it became a chance that I saw this opportunity to come over here um, from Texas to have this opportunity to to build this team. 
you know, as a, as a chance to put into practice everything, we'll just call it 30 years, the last 30 years yeah. of my life, you know, through the good leaders and bad leaders, good times, bad times, all of that knowledge base. I, I said to myself when I was coming over here, I'm going to apply that to this role and I want to see what happens. I could be completely wrong. <laughs> I, could, I might fall flat on my face, but I don't think I will. And I got the chance and I finally had, you know, the, the realm of influence to, to do that. So, you know, I focused on surrounding my people, myself with people who are much smarter than me, which wasn't hard to do, Adam. Um, and then build that core relationship with them and get out of their way. Yeah. Get trust them get out of their way, let them work. Cause I, you know, at various times in my career, I had to ask myself, why am I here? I'm not even trusted to do my job. Um, and, and it still surprises some of the people that work for me. Um, you know, when, when there's situations that come up, it's, it's, it's no, I trust you to handle that. Of course, I don't need to step in. And it's still sometimes the same reaction with, you know, wow, you really do value us. You really, you really do believe in us. And I'm, yes, I'm here to stay out of your way and let you work. What can I do for you? I think Adam, and, and I don't, you know, I know this has been seen in, in some of my past jobs as, as kind of a weakness, but I, I was just born with a servant's heart and, and I love to be in a position to create an environment where people feel valued they feel respected, you know, my fellow introverts, that their voices are heard um, and, and, and that cohesive collaborative environment. And it does become contagious and it, it just spreads. And, and that's what it's done. And it's not a pat on my back. It's a, it's a pat on the back of everything that has brought me to this point. Um, and I'm so glad I get to share this because, you know, it, it was, validation that it works well, you know this grand social experiment worked <laughs> which is which is still running let me just make that point still too running. i mean there's, yes, a, yes, yes. there's a protector in you brad isn't there would you know that the military yeah. and, and the law enforcement yeah. the secret service there mm. really is and mm. one of my guests said to me that leadership is energy expensive and it really is energy expensive to be able to mm. understand each and every person that you lead in the way that you've described that is going to take energy from all leaders listening to this, especially in a post-pandemic environment, it's been tough yep. on everyone, hasn't it, for the last couple of years? It, it, it's a commitment in time. And, and that's what I, you know, but that's what I tell my team is, you know, you're more important than a meeting. You're more important than a PowerPoint presentation. Um, you know, it's that time. But it is an it's an investment, and yes, it it, it can be ex especially for an introvert. It can be tiring, but it's so worth it. That's time well spent. You know, I would rather cancel a full day of meetings to make sure I'm spending time with 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 my team, and my colleagues, and and providing them with with the guidance they need or just an ear to listen to. Yep. That's more value than than some of the and, uh, you know, just some of the other things that come up through the day that, you know, that can take your attention away from what's really important. And what's really important to me is is availability to my people. And that's how you get to know them. My deputies out on a walk with one of our team members today, and they were talking about that. And I was like, go, that's better cool. than anything else. And they took a walk around Virginia water and around the lake. And 
I'm like, that's better than any kind of meeting or you're getting to know each other and building that bond. That's, that's to me is what I'm talking about in a nutshell yeah. with, with that investment in, in, in time and relationships. It's funny. I remember being in uh, Silicon Valley and doing the, what was nicknamed the dish walk. And apparently that was yeah. the walk that a number of the, uh, the big tech CEOs, including Mark Zuckerberg would go on and hired mm. senior executives once they finish the walk. So there is something to that. Listen, we're all still work in progress, Brad. So you are yeah. too, aren't you? So I am. What what is still in sight for you in relation to the, you, the next challenge? I don't mean the role, but for you personally, in the hmm. leader that you are and you're still becoming, what's next? Yeah, I, I have found, you know, I'm good at investigations. I'm good at the core job of what I do, Adam. But I love being a leader. I love mentoring. I love, I I love the teaching. I love sharing what I've learned. Um, I do. And and I love even possibly having an impact on, on somebody and, and maybe being able to change the trajectory of, of, of their careers or, or their leadership style or whatever. Um, and, and I am, I'm looking for bigger roles, um, in, in that aspect, you know, I don't, this isn't my retirement gig, what I'm doing right now. Um, and I want to go as far, as far as I can to, to be able to do stuff like this, to be honest with you, just to share and, and to coach and train that's, uh, you know, so we'll, we'll, we'll still growing, still me. learning, still thriving, still striving. <laughs> Absolutely. All of Absolutely. those, all of those things. Yeah. Um, if yeah. people wanted to get in touch and continue a hmm. conversation, learn more, what's the best way to get in touch, Brad? Oh my gosh. My email is, is absolutely, uh, the, the best way I'm, I'm married to my phone, I guess, like most people in this uh, day and age. So yeah, my, my, my email address and I can yeah. give that or if yeah, you're happy absolutely. to, by all means, I'm, I'm happy to, would you like me to say it or just yes. email it to you? No, say it, say it out loud, it, Brad, for us. It, it, it's B Berwick. So that's B B E R W I C K yep. 44. Yes at gmail.com there you go bberwick44 at gmail.com so let me ask you a kind of a final and unfair question i think because this has been a very rich episode is <laughs> out of all of the experiences that you've had mm. and the lessons that you've taken and i know we've scratched the surface really yeah. what jumps to mind for you as the most powerful piece of leadership advice you think you've given or received Oh, that's easy. That's, oh. that's, that's not an unfair question. Okay. Oh, in that case, go on. I was, I, I was a young squad leader in, in the military. So this would have been my first assignment. Yep. Um, and I had a platoon sergeant who, again, Adam, you know, just the right people at the right time. I had just gotten out of basic training and I, I, I get to my first uh, duty assignment, Fort Carson, Colorado with uh-huh. fourth infantry division. And I get this platoon sergeant and, I become a squad leader, um, pretty, pretty quick. And I remember him telling me, um, some of the best leadership advice. And, and he said, he said, Brad, if you have to raise your voice and yell and stomp your foot to, to get people's attention or have them do something you have completely lost as a leader. And, he, and I guess that was so impactful because through basic training and my early years in the military, <laughs> was a lot of yelling. At, I bet. Um, but it, it really had an impact on me because I watched him and I watched how he led. Um, and he was just a quiet, 
calm force for good. And, and there's also something really unnerving when you've done something wrong and the person talking to you is very calm. <laughs> I think it parenting is parenting skills in there too. <laughs> um, but I think that piece of advice and I took it with me forever because it, it, it really served me in the secret service as well. I never heard that man raise his voice and we went through some difficult times, yeah. you know, um, but he lived by it and, and he always had that same calm demeanor. You always wanted to listen to him. Um, as opposed to the people who yelled, you, I, I naturally switch off when someone's yelling. Yeah. Um, so it really resonated with me, Adam. And I even took that into my family life. You know, I'm not a yeller anyway by nature, but but really to that calm voice. Um, uh, yeah, that was very impactful. Very, very impactful. Brad, I love it. It's great advice. And there was one guest who said that whenever he raised his voice, he would lose his team. And I said to him, when was the last time you shouted at your team? He went, 30 years ago. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was a lesson yeah. he obviously learned too. Listen, yeah. that brings us to, to the close of our discussion. You've mm. been an absolute star. Have you enjoyed your time on the Leadership Enigma? I hope so. This has been amazing, and and I'll tell you, Adam, I've I've listened to a, uh, several of your podcasts, and and I just I hope that I can add the same kind of richness and value that your other guests have because it's really I get more out of this than reading books, um, and and so it, it's been a really big honor to be here and getting to know you better. Um, so so this has been great. I feel really good about sharing this. I feel oh. like I got something off my chest, actually. <laughs> therapy. It's like therapy in a therapy. way, isn't it? Um, and, and just really appreciate and support what you do. And, and I'll, be, I'll be spreading the word about, about you uh, uh, for sure. Uh, it's a pleasure and, and it's a privilege. And, and thank you for being part and parcel of the ongoing journey, uh, which is the Leadership Enigma. Hopefully we'll go from strength to strength. But Brad, you've been a superstar. Thank you so much. Thanks, Adam. Join us again next week for more tips and strategies on the Leadership Enigma. We'd love to hear your comments on today's show, as well as suggestions for future topics and guests. Get in touch with your host on LinkedIn or our YouTube channel. And remember to get your daily learning to build success at www.insights.emeritus.org. Download the Insights app and start learning for free. Please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on all your major podcast platforms. Thanks for listening.